Mind and Machine, Unlocking the Potential of AI in Africa. Welcome to this new podcast where we shall be discussing AI in Africa, specifically to solve problems within Africa and in Kenya. Uh, this series will cover key areas such as healthcare, data privacy, manufacturing, self-driving cars, elections, and many more topics. Uh, to our inaugural episode, please welcome uh, my first guest, Peter Kanda. Ah, thank you. Um, it's quite an honor to be the first guest, Michael. I think we've known each other for a few years now. Yeah. I think since you are in Triple OK. Almost four years now. Four years, yeah. Yeah, four years. Yeah, I'm happy to join in, see how you can be able to contribute to the conversation, see how you can be able to... You've been an AI enthusiast for quite some time, so happy to try bringing my two cents around where, especially to the bias which I am in, which is healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. So with that introduction, uh, as you can clearly see, we'll start off with AI in healthcare. And I'll allow Peter to give us a bit of a breakdown in terms of maybe the history or how he understands AI within healthcare, specific to Kenya, and within his work, how that has evolved? Yeah, so, well, uh, my name is Kanda Peter. I've been in the healthcare space for now, uh, I think, actually, this is my 10th year in the, oh. in the healthcare space. It's a nice place to be. I now lead uh, one of the departments in uh, uh, one of the leading uh, children's hospitals in, in Africa. And uh, apart from that, I also chair the Digital Health Committee and uh, Kenya Healthcare Federation, uh, which, which, which Kenya Healthcare Federation is a subsidiary of uh, KEPSA. So down there we have now a committee specifically that f focuses on uh, digital healthcare. So as it regards to uh, AI in healthcare, the, the question is uh, where are we at right now? And where have we, well, how far we have come to get to yeah. where we are? So. Right now, I think um, we have a lot of use cases on what, what would be, you know, I don't know whether these are technical terms or like narrow AI, like it's, yeah. it's a bit more focused on, on healthcare. Yeah. yeah, it's, 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 it's very specific on certain, Domain specific. Yeah, like, like um, medical imaging yeah. on, on CT scans. And so we are, we are starting to see a bit of those use cases coming through. Uh, uh, things like... Uh, ECG or echoes uh, coming through. These are things like medical imaging. Uh, and I still think in healthcare, we are, I usually say we, sometimes we get left behind because of the way our, generally our development cycles are compared to like fintechs. So yeah. Yeah, we are currently in a place where we are t starting to see a bit more use cases mm -hmm. specific to like the narrow uh, AI coming, coming through. Yeah. yeah. So that comparison between fintech and healthcare reminded me of how we always say Africa leapfrogs the rest of the world because it doesn't have to go through all the other steps. Do you think healthcare in AI can just do a quick leapfrog? Yes, I think I think it will do a quick leapfrog. Uh, but there there are certain things that I think will need to happen, uh, like things that there are certain things that need to happen within the sector mm -hmm. that will enable AI. To, to like really thrive. And the first one is, um, is really focusing on things like standardization. Uh, we need to agree what is the disease coding that you're going to be using uh, and so that the data quality becomes good and it becomes easier for us to be able to do uh, more AI use cases within the health sector. So there's a, bit, there's a lot of conversations about 
standardization, which, which is a good thing. And once that happens, we will leapfrog a lot of hurdles that probably fintech has gone through that we necessarily, we in the healthcare space, we don't need to go through. Yeah. So open health might would be part of the standardization, getting everybody to accept single single form or single templates for all the various healthcare activities. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, over the last like uh, 10 years right now, I think most hospitals have adopted uh, proper disease coding standards, which if you go to, I think uh, it's only that I can't name names, but if you go to like major hospitals within the country, uh, they are using uh, ICD-10 coding. Uh, the Ministry of Health uh, is pushing now for uh, ICD-11 coding. And that is good because now we have 10 year worth of data that now is properly coded, which means now we can be able to do more into it and get to know different seasons, dip, different demographics into it and try to now learn from that, from that data set. And that just comes by the Ministry of Health saying, this is the standard that we want guys to report. Yeah. To, uh, report with and now that can happen with medication that can happen with all the lab uh, standards and uh, so long as there's that standardization that it will be pushed now it means that the data quality will become will become better and now we can be able to get more use cases uh, there the challenge though for for us i think we've been quite slow in in adopting uh uh in adopting AI within our environments, which I think we should. Uh, for example, we have thousands, of, uh, thousands and thousands of CT scan images done per month in different locations. And we have all these organizations that have um, PACS. PACS is the picture archiving uh, for, for the images that are generated by the CT scans. And these are huge images with good quality, like absolute good quality. You're talking about like a 700 MB uh, image image wow. and that that is like perfect for ai because it can go down to the details and get to properly map it all those uh, just sitting somewhere there and after five years you can actually destroy it without having uh i mean properly examined it and gone through it so that's, there's a lot that's of quite shocking it's quite shocking because five years yeah, yeah. And and you, you know, it's you're allowed years. i mean the, the <laughs> law allows you to do it in terms yeah. of the retention period you can you can actually just uh, get rid of it because they are huge. So nobody, so storage right now is cheaper. Yeah. Everybody can access storage on the chip, and uh, and and these are like good data sets that are sitting down that are yet to be yet to be explored. So the challenge with us is uh, you'll go, yeah, and it's always a fight between budgets and and in in a place like uh, in healthcare settings, uh, if somebody if if a department wants to purchase an equipment worth fifty million which will become a revenue stream. And you have an IT that looks like a cost center. Yeah. Uh, they, they'll probably not, will not they'll, they'll prefer buying an equipment that becomes a revenue stream as opposed to. So those are some of the things that affect the development cycle use cases of AI within the healthcare sector. So you've mentioned imaging as one of the use cases. What other use cases uh, have you seen? Or what other use cases are you working on yourself? Okay, so uh, I'll give the context of where I work right now yeah. and what we've been trying to do. So the first use cases we started was uh, ECG, uh, which just looks at the electrical uh, impulse in the, in the, coming from the heart. And we worked with a company, um, they, they'll allow me to say because we, we have an agreement, they're called Tricog. And we worked with them on uh, a use case in two of our sites that are uh, open to adults. 
uh, through our foundation. And once we reached out and started doing use cases in those areas, uh, we, st we started getting very interesting data and we started treating people. The best thing about it is we actually reduced the cost of doing an ECG by roughly 40%, which is, which was, which is significant. Then from that, we went ahead to um, a sponsored program by IFC, and we went ahead to spearhead a program in the coast, uh, which was now on pediatric uh, echo, which is now. So I'll give you context. In Kenya, mm -hmm. we have one million kids. We are a healthy population. I mean, guys give birth in Kenya. And out of those, we get one million kids in a, in, in a, in a year. 10,000, roughly 10,000, these are estimates, 10,000 mm -hmm. have heart conditions. Out of those 10,000, the guys who get to actually access uh, like uh, cardiac treatment is, is 500. Okay. So you're leaving, you're leaving 9,500 kids out there who don't necessarily get to access treatment and it's compounding, like it keeps compounding. Yeah. And the challenge is we are not even doing proper screening at the ground level because the cost is at government is around 5,000 Kenyan shillings to get that kind of treatment. And not many households can be able to raise that 5,000 shillings. to yeah. So with that, we decided, let's, let's try out something. We went and did a pediatric echo using AI with the same company. And we started doing uh, use cases around it. And now we are, uh, in, in the private sector, it's, it's slightly more expensive. It's maybe around 15,000 Kenyan shillings. So you're trying to, push it further down to at least get to government level and then try to see how we can be able to get funding so that we can do these services for free. Uh, the results have been, uh, have been quite good uh, in terms of uh, uh, being able to identify those conditions, uh, give recommendations to the cardiologist to have a review. Cardiologist has, has a review and says, okay, these patients actually need to come for treatment right now. So we've had patients we've had to bring directly from the cost to come to get treatment in Nairobi that were just identified through AI and the use of our cardiologist service. So how do you see uh, your adoption of AI affecting the larger healthcare segment? So we have, we have big pharma and we have insurances. I'm sure that the level of the disruption you're bringing, dropping down the cost, being able to accurately diagnose something. So certain medication based off of what AI's research may do may actually say, take this medication as opposed to this other one. So pharmaceuticals could be losing out. I don't know, maybe insurances would be happier that someone is visiting the hospital only once or twice instead of like 30 times over. Um, so, well, the, the view that we have is uh, we should use our doctors to treat, uh, the, the, because of the disease burden we, we, we end up absorbing in the health, as a healthcare provider, you find your doctor spending a lot of time treating colds and stomach aches and, and we have other conditions that are actually chronic and that we need to sit down and try address. And, and, and the best way to try to, um, the best way to try to address this is to try see how we can be able to work on AI models that can help, help the doctor be able to use their time uh, effectively. Uh, what we are doing right now is we are trying to aggregate all that data and then put a machine learning to it and then uh, feed it back into the ERP so that uh, as a doctor is working with a, with a patient, uh, they will get 
uh, prompts on this this is the best way you probably will, will access this and probably help them with their decision making but that is like further ahead in terms of uh, where we want to where we would want to be with things like insurance uh, you find that um, the opportunities to work with uh, insurance to be able to detect uh, fraud and uh, because there are people who actually try to beat the system and it's bad both for us as healthcare uh, providers and bad for the for the insurance so uh, the opportunities to use ai especially at the claims authentication uh, validation um, uh, to to try see how we can be able to use ai to just eliminate some of the manual processes that are there uh, to just eliminate things like uh, fraud so the opportunity is there and then the best thing is probably for me the one that will touch my heart is how do i make healthcare accessible and affordable and ai has those elements that can make healthcare accessible and and, and affordable so um, right now maybe in the next one or two uh, let's say within the course of this year maybe there'll be some certain products that will be pushing out uh, that will be will try to make that happen uh, just improve efficiency that ends up reducing cost uh, uh, and uh, being very effective in trying to find where this condition uh, then these are the best treatment these are the ones that have the things called revisit rates in hospital yeah. means if i treat you ideally you shouldn't come back yeah uh, but sometimes you can't come back because maybe there's some disease progression or things changed as you went home so what medications did i give you so do this medication have a higher revisit rate that kind of a thing so so that's those are the kind of things we'll be looking at uh, with future and those those things end up reducing the cost burden to the patient uh, ends up uh, better it, it's a win win for us the patient and the insurance so okay i can see it being a win for the patient and i remember i had a discussion with someone sometime back and they mentioned the need to have revisitors i don't know if it's actually true that doctors have kpis for them what they treat which sometimes feels well the best kpi is to have no patients meaning that you have you have a healthy society but then if you need to treat 30 people in a day you can always get people to revisit every so often just for you to hit your targets now ai will obviously come and disrupt that do you see doctors um, or the change of model if the kpi model exists in that format that has to change how do you see doctors reacting to that uh I, I, well i have a different thought to it the the, the and, and i have two use cases one is uh, back sometime back we used to have rotavirus as as one of the like a huge like it could be up to 10% of our bed admissions would be rotavirus or asthma patients and that's rota and asthma then we realized um this might not be the case the patient is suffering the mother is suffering how do we make this uh how do we reduce this burden on on the patient and we ended up doing something different which was patient education the mother comes in what is the proper way of helping your child uh, to administer like asthma medication how do you and and we started doing those kind of training we started doing emphasis on things like rotavirus vaccination then after a period of time those admissions dropped like from 10% to like 1 1% so you find like one admission of an asthma patient in out of 100 like one out of 100 yeah. like it dropped significantly what that does is that it builds a sense of 
I, I don't know whether to say loyalty <laughs> with the with the with the mother mm-hmm. and and also for us it 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 enables us to focus on on uh, being a special uh, specialist uh, hospital because there's a lot of like uh, uh, conditions out there that are not mm-hmm. being worked on that need to be uh, given more attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've brought up training and I just thought the models you're training of course you're using patient data. Uh, are you anonymizing the data? Is there consent from patients? How are you handling that? The sensitivity of this information. So, so we are developing the models. Yeah, we are still. We still have to go to, to get consent yeah. from the patients. So we've not yet uh, done it on like uh, actual uh, patient data. Mm-hmm. For the ones who we did with Echo, they mm-hmm. actually had to sign like a consent on all mm-hmm. the on all the ones that we were working on. Mm. They had to sign, if it was pediatric, ECG, or it was, they had to sign like on, on consent on how, how we were working on, on it. For this, because they have to be made aware, because there is, they have to be aware in terms of what is the purpose yeah. of, of, of collecting this data. So it is one for clinical, and the other two is, could be used for training and could also be used for research. So they need to be made aware that um, as much as you're accessing treatment here, we'd like to learn how you got well mm. so that we can treat the other baby better. And we also like to train the incoming doctors who are learning as a subspecialist or a specialist on this uh, data so that they can treat other patients yeah. better. So, then yeah. the, so that sounds like training has always been there, something which I guess we've always been concerned to at hospitals if we read our fine print. Yes. I'm assuming when I go to the hospital, trainee doctors will have a look at my file and they that's will. something which I've signed off to. Yes. Now the yes. only difference is I'm now signing it off to the IT and technology departments for them to use that data to train their models. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, uh, well, it's, it's, it's true that, yeah. that, that that is happening. And that's why we need to reconsent because yeah. the purpose uh, will have changed in terms of developing uh, models around it. Um, the other thing is, I think, is also on the governance part of it, mm-hmm. which is now uh, the government regulations and frameworks around AI in healthcare. Because essentially what you're doing is you're saying you have AI and you're going to use AI to make a decision on how a patient will be treated. Do we have the capability to have an organization like PPB to be able to have a look at an AI model and say, um, we think this is actually flawed mm-hmm. and that we shouldn't be used for treatment. I don't think we, <laughs> we've set up that. We've, I'm not sure whether we've set that up yet. Uh, I don't know if we have any approvals for machine learning models in AI that needs to be, because it affects, you, you could get like, someone develops like a very flawed uh, algorithm and pushes it out there. Who's going to validate this and actually say this is actually good for use. Uh, what about what, what happens when that, they change algorithms in that model, the results will obviously be different. Yeah. Who's going to actually going to supervise and say, hmm, okay, this guy, uh, we need to, to check at your, your, what algorithms did you use? Uh-huh. What are they? And then learn and say, okay, this is actually wrong. We shouldn't, we shouldn't use this for, for humans. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure whether we have those frameworks in place. It seems you're tackling a lot of now that sounds more on the ethical and professional aspect of yes of of your, your domain in healthcare. 
And you, what you've mentioned sounded like the explainability, one of the main approaches in terms of just getting rid of uh, biases and some ethical challenges. So having the AI to be able to explain how it arrived to that uh, conclusion, which is again the black box problem we face. It's data in, crunch, data out, and you're left scratching your head. At what point yeah. did it deviate from the expected target? Uh, earlier on, you mentioned the doctors getting results from, especially with the, with the scans, where they can see recommendations, sort of like a diagnosis from the AI, and then they can interrogate that and then finally give uh, their own diagnosis as a doctor to the patient. Do you see patients being comfortable? Because there are two, uh, I guess that shields people from the AI. So no one is thinking there's a machine doing this work, not a human, who I trust, who I can see. So does that then deal with some cultural aspects where no one wants to be treated by a machine? Someone, you always want someone to hold accountable. At least there's a doctor there. So, so I'll, I'll say for the use cases I used for the ECHO and the use case I used for the uh, EEG, uh, EC, ECG is um, you'll find that in all those use cases, a doctor validates uh, has to go and check. What AI does is basically helps the doctor to identify things that they will have probably missed out with the naked eye. Okay. Yeah, like uh, you might look at an image and not the obvious issues, but there are certain times when there's something hidden behind that, those images that you'll probably... that. that an AI can be able to identify and tell you, you might also want to look at this and say, okay, oh yeah, I've actually seen it. Okay, then this is, this means that this patient probably has this condition. Then they go ahead and now maybe either do further investigations or recommend treatment for, for the patient. Yeah, so, so there's still that human part, yeah. that human control that has, uh, that has to happen. Yeah, that has so to happen. you don't see that changing in the future? So I, I, I know you probably are aware about uh, this. It's, it's an ophthalmology thing I, that Google did where they went and looked at retina scans over a period of time and they used ophthalmologists to train and train and train and train uh, the AI model. Then after a period of time, the first year actually, the ophthalmologists were still better than it. Second year they were got but The third year, I mean, thing was doing crazy things. It was way mm. better than any ophthalmologist will have done. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think that's good for it's good for patients. Yeah, hundred percent good for patients. And do I see a place where uh, a machine will actually give you a diagnosis? I I doubt because we still want we still have to want to. Okay, I won't say I doubt because mm -hmm. I know this recording will last like a hundred years. <laughs> plus. <laughs> I think we will get there in the in the long run. Okay. But uh, in like the next like five six years, I I, I doubt that will that will happen. I don't say doubt it even ten years, especially yeah. especially looking I, I, at Africa and yeah, I doubt you, even we have to see it to believe it. So I'm I'm finding it very hard that there people would be comfortable writing down a set of symptoms online, getting a response or. Visiting a hospital where you just go prick your finger against a certain yeah. device, sit for 10 minutes, then, then pick prescriptions and pick go your home. prescription. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that, really automated. But yeah. I, I don't know, even 10 years, 10 years is, is 10 years is quite too close. Yeah, it's too close. <laughs> no, it's too close. Yeah. <laughs> too close. I, I, I think it's uh, it's uh, it's too close. I, 
because um yeah it's it's too close i i doubt i doubt i doubt we'll see that uh, quite soon but the ones that i know for sure will happen quite recently is uh, which which the first guys i think will disrupt it in health can i know that some people are going to listen to this mm. podcast they're going to hold me by the collar yeah. it's okay uh is is actually medical imaging yeah i feel like uh we'll get to a place because uh in the current setup as it is a doctor who is in a place like uh let me use maraquet so mm. that a, a doctor's in maraquet can get an x-ray image and actually read and make an interpretation from that image it is better if you have a radiologist to do that for you but because there are shortage of radiologists the doctor will just be able to read it and and give recommendations yeah. to to that but now we having ai that will just actually read it and highlight all the spots for you and then you so that means a medical officer who's sitting in a place like capsoar what he will just require is like a good ai model and all the city scans that are coming through and all those things that will be coming through that would ideally have had a, a radiologist go through them probably will not require them we probably will not need to send an image we went actually went to a place in samburu and in samburu they did what they do is they actually take the image compress it email it to nairobi mm-hmm. a guy reads goes through it and you know it comes to nairobi it's compressed so, so it's lost quality so it's lost quality yeah. so so that means uh, uh, so the radiologist is, is just working with what he can yeah then sees it i writes a report sends it back to ban uh, samburu via, via, via those things i think will change in the in the in the long run yeah i think they will change doctors will just tell you go go for the ct scan it will come to my to my it's desk a, yeah. yeah with the recommendation so with all that ability to share data it got me thinking uh, i don't know if ai is going to improve this uh, whenever you get to the hospital is that is it the triage the triage process yeah like because i'm trying to imagine a one week difference does not change my height my weight as in i believe there are certain things within triage that for baby AI could disrupt <laughs> okay for baby oh maybe maybe they they grow you can grow one one kg in a week <laughs> just kidding no not in a week they can go on one kg maybe in a, in a month or something yeah. but but yeah for a baby the weight does change okay. and depending on that weight they but it's it's true like for example for triage uh there are certain clinics where you just require certain sets mm-hmm. uh, of data let's say bp uh, your height your weight your temperature and then your public and key in your symptoms and then from there all that data is just sent to the to the doctor and then the doctor will probably it, it might even go through your probably your previous prescriptions yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think i'm just talking utopia right now but the ideal world the, yeah the ideal world yeah. exactly the ideal world so and then from there it gets the doctor doctor gets recommendations and and you end up having like the cost of care reducing because you not have like a nursing component to it mm-hmm. uh you will just have maybe a doctor even the billing component will go because what it will mean is um you have automated claims being raised and sent uh you can do i mean mpesa transactions yeah. and and it goes i mean all those things are can now so it'll just be a doctor in his clinic and a triage and maybe a guy to walk guys around and that's it so the cost of care will definitely yeah. reduce and the time and the one time. of my biggest frustrations and i used to hate going to the hospital 
was getting there and you queue, you wait, then someone walks in and they look pretty healthy. You're like, they're just going to have a chit chat with the doctor. Mm. And they come out, they say goodbye. Mm. I'm like, they didn't get a prescription. Mm. And as a kid, that used to frustrate me. So seeing that go away, I think would be one of, only something I want to live through. I want uh, to get into a hospital like it's a drive-thru. Drive-thru hospitals. Yeah. Very, but with, <laughs> with, with all the accuracy and safeguards in place, of course. <laughs> Yeah, obviously, obviously, yeah. obviously. But but uh, uh, there's a there's a joke going around that the, the way to future-proof yourself uh, with jobs is to pick up jobs like like plumbing and and mm-hmm. and when I look at I look at medicine right now, kept I kept asking myself what what is the equivalent of like what AI might not be able to disrupt like in the short term or in mm-hmm. the next ten years. Uh, I think medical procedures will will take a bit of time. Surgeries, uh, yeah, it's mm. quite a human intervention. I'm not sure if anybody will be opened and be operated with an AI model quite quite soon. Um, uh, there are other even simple procedures that that are currently happening right now. Uh, that are things like uh, maybe cannulation, which is just trying to prick your veins and get like. So some of those mm. things. Uh, uh, I don't think we see them happening immediately mm-hmm. right now. Uh, uh, I, I don't think those will happen right now. But they, f- they sound sort of easier to do. I'm looking at the example you give of scanning the, ret- uh, the, retina, the retinal scans, and I'm like, AI would be so much better at looking mm-hmm. at an opened up human chest, leg, or another part of the human body, and actually tell apart this from this, not have those incidences where something wasn't, uh, we didn't stitch you properly or something was left behind. So I don't know why you see that as a low-hanging fruit. Quick question for you. Uh-huh. Will, will you, will you, will you let uh, like a properly trained <laughs> AI, uh, AI uh, do a heart surgery on you? Yes. Oh, well, you, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you're crazy, but I mean, well, I don't know. Yeah. For me, right now, uh, I think I'll, I'll, I'll take myself bed first with the doctor right mm. now. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and until that time we get to, like, uh, it's, uh, like, AGI or something, I don't know. Mm. And, and I, I think mm. when you get to, like, general intelligence is mm. when, when, when now I can, I can say, okay, now, now, now. I'm, but the kind of, kind, kind of models that I see, I don't see. I don't. I don't see happening. I also think mm. that, and I don't. I don't think it's mentioned quite mm. often. But I think quantum computing will actually disrupt AI positively. Yeah. Uh, because right now we are seeing people who are saying that they've been able to make quantum computing stable, and it's going to get to a point where we have like a really really stable quantum compute. Uh, devices coming out yeah and that will change because of the way they use less power yeah uh they're able to do like the, the, co- the computing yeah. computing on it will be crazy yeah. so you can be able to load models like on very small devices and just be able to let them go and learn whatever they you actually do. take the whole learning process the example you give of three years could be shortened to a month or it even could less. be shortened it could be yeah. shortened crazy and I, I think we should we should have like proper conversation <laughs> also around quantum compute and how it will disrupt it will I, I think uh, we are single digits years away from computing and AI 
mm-hmm. I, I think we, we very soon we'll see quantum computing coming out and then quantum computing disrupting AI positively, mm-hmm. making AI crazier than whatever we've seen yeah. right now. Like, like, and you know, um, also material technology is not talked about as much. I think our phones as they exist right now might even be smaller in future because of the kind of the way uh, some of those material technology is going to change. Yeah, you, you can see it actually with the, the recent, the last two years, phone cameras are getting bigger, which is, or they're getting five cameras mm. with two flashes or larger cameras. Mm. And now I think, I don't remember which phone, but apparently it can extend the camera. That availability of space is because we're now able to make smaller compute, smaller computer hardware yeah. that can do as much and sometimes and most of the times even more more the previous model so now yeah. we'll end up yeah the phones as themselves the motherboard and everything is going to be smaller then the peripherals now that's what we get to play with bigger screens yeah larger cameras at the back yeah and and like for example utopia again yeah you take you have a you have a you have a mobile device yeah that uh uh, it doesn't use lots of power to do its compute yeah. and has like really, really good camera. And you're able to take like uh, images, photos of your, of like a lesion on your skin yeah. or like a pimple on your skin. And just because it has like preloaded models on it and does applications ready, it's able to just like pop up like uh, and tell you, okay, uh, for this kind of conditions, just go and take this kind of cream from the shop. Yeah. You go to the cream, you buy, you, you apply, or even probably helps you order and it, it comes home. That will be disruptive for sure. Yeah. Uh, that will be disruptive. Do you see uh, pharmaceuticals? I don't know. I'm not picking a fight with them. Okay. <laughs> pick <But> fight. <laughs> yeah, it's a month seeing, of love. It's February. Yeah. You don't pick fights. Yeah. So I'm seeing pharmaceuticals getting some benefit with uh, AI models being trained because that's pushing people away from traditional remedies. Africa is a continent. We sometimes rely on traditional remedies. I've had instances where I've been having ulcers and instead of going to the hospital, my mom would recommend something weird for me. There's a time I had a tooth issue. I was told, brush your teeth with aloe vera. It's bit. Will we ever incorporate, will AI ever learn or train from such data sets? Or are we going to banish that as old school medicine that doesn't work? And that's probably because the pharmaceuticals will give the research money to these AI companies. So uh, the question will be, when you used aloe vera for the treatment, yeah. uh, and I also had a similar thing, and my grandmother recommended some funny leaves and yeah. I put it on my skin and I got well. Yeah. For you, when you used aloe vera to, for that kind of treatment, was, was there any data that was collected? How soon did you get well? Yeah, there's yeah. no any data. So what models are we going to train on that data? So how do we fix so, that for Africa? Yeah, no. So, we can't so just, that is now the headache we need yeah. to sort out. We need to sort out, like, uh, one, our traditional uh, medicine, uh, not coded. Like yeah. We need to code, public code it and say this, this is a traditional medicine. So that when the patient comes in to the hospital, they were treated, we ask them, okay, you got well, you went home, you got well. Uh, you say, why, how did you get well? You say, uh, I was given these leaves. Yeah. Uh, then, okay. Uh, you're given these leaves. What is the name of these leaves? We put it in the system. We, we, we caught them. So over a period of time, we'll collect enough data which, which, which we can be able to train them on African remedies. Yeah. Then we should be able now, at least now from there, to recommend treatments and see how we can be able to uh, provide 
treatment with the African context are to it. To yeah. it. I mean, there's also the flip side yeah. of where you're told go and drink this gorogoro of what, like mm-hmm. the, a whole bucket of something, and you never get well. Yeah. There's also that. We also need to learn yeah, from yeah. Yeah, that from those, which, yeah. which doesn't work. Yes, True. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, that reminded me on Saturday I met a specialist on diabetes. I don't know what they're called. Diabetes. Endocrinologist. Uh, diabetes. I don't know. It was a long word oh, okay. that, that had diabetes in it. Mm-hmm. And she was mentioning that a lot of things that have been done towards treatment of diabetes mm. is more pills, more... And she said all of this because as an uncommunicable disease, she mentioned a lot of it could be a lifestyle change that mm. has the larger impact mm. on someone's chance of survival. Actually, the statistics were saying that uh, when someone does die, they usually have like heart failure or something, but the underlying condition was their diabetes. So it's mm. not actually being tracked. And maybe then now we can see AI1 tracking uh, with all this data being collected and building a medical life cycle or a disease life cycle. We can say you died of X brought on about by A. So A is the root cause. So we work with A. So then we'd say, yeah, we have diabetes being now the largest non- non-communicable disease affecting Kenyans as opposed to us saying heart failures because maybe... Those heart failures are brought in as a result of diabetes. Yeah. Does that then improve uh, overall healthcare? Uh, yes, it will. It will in the sense, but if I think it also needs to have like a structured way, structured way of doing things, um, so that it improves health. I, I, I'll say this: if if I was sitting in the insurance sector right now, and I offer uh, health insurance. Any patient who comes with diabetes or specific conditions, I'll incorporate uh, an IoT device that collects certain data points from them and then see how we can be able to work with that with either a healthcare provider whom we end up having an agreement with so that we, we improve their healthcare. Because I'll tell you this, it, it works for the patient in the sense that if you are, ha- you, if you are visiting the clinic 10 times a year. Yeah. If getting data sets from that and helping you and giving you notifications and patient education based on the data we are collecting on you, then it means that you end up coming to the hospital two or three times in a year. It's, it's, it's good. I mean, yeah, it really good. helps you. And I'll tell you, for example, if you go outside Nairobi, you'll be surprised that in certain areas, treatment cost of treatment is expensive. For example, if you are sitting here and you have an issue with your, um, with your, with your skin, or you're able to access a, a dermatologist. Yeah. You go, you pay, let's say, 4,000 shillings. You see a dermatologist, they give you treatment, and you go home. You get well. You've probably done one visit to a specialist. Outside Nairobi, where you have less specialists, you'll go to see a doctor two, three times for the same conditions, consuming different types of medication, yet you're not getting better. So the, 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 if we're able to help gather these data points from different areas and aggregate it into one place and then make personalized care accessible to these patients, then it'll give them like a better life. Uh, they'll, they'll probably have uh, less visits to the hospital, which mm-hmm. improves their quality of life. So I'm looking at the utopia that we've built so far. Few visits, 
the visits are fast. On phones. <laughs> and I like when you mentioned the IoT device aspect. That means the person visiting 10 times is only collecting data 10 times. And this data could be very, sub <clears throat> I don't say subjective, but would also be incorrect. But with the IoT device, you're able to collect real-time data. Mm. Over, so you're collecting more data as opposed to collecting data at the end of the month, yet there could have been significant improvement or some deterioration which would not have been seen. So this utopia has us giving out near real-time or real-time uh, information about our health. It has faster, faster treatment time. Mm. It has fewer visits. Uh, it has my data moving, not me moving to specialist hospitals. That go somewhere to a remote clinic, scans would be done. Yeah. They wouldn't be compressed. They'd find a way that to move them through cloud or have 5G. a service called, yeah. yeah. Either call the service to your own computer or using cloud and 5G, send it in an uncompressed version, get the results back. Healthcare could look like a postal service. Yeah. In a weird way. Yeah, I think yeah. I think uh and, and uh there are a lot of conversations around personalized healthcare yeah. and that's what's going to happen. There's going and I think even personalized healthcare is something we'll see within the next like two or three years. Within Kenya by the way. Mm. Like personalized healthcare, like a proper personalized I think that will happen like quite quite soon. Okay. And uh will we be able to see like uh use case of narrow AI to on personalized healthcare, I think yes. I think yes. I think I think that's going to happen uh quite quite soon. The the question will be um and I've been trying to always always look at it this way. In terms or maybe I'm not exposed to it and maybe I need to learn more about it. When I look at uh, our Kenyan local applications, like applications developed locally here, and I look at uh, uh, uh international platforms the places where you get to have like proper use cases of ai you, you tend to find them a lot on the international platforms like either a microsoft product you're using or a google product you're using um if i look at uh, credit scoring maybe in kenya yeah. is credit scoring in kenya done with ai i'm not sure whether it's being done with ai uh, components to it are circles using ai because they have huge amounts of data sets they've collected over years. Yeah. Are they, are they, and if I open my circle app, do I interact it with AI on it? I, I, I doubt, I'm not sure. I, I'd say there's no AI. Yeah. I've never seen a bank utilizing AI. They may have algorithms that can make decisions and do predictions, that's not AI. And an inability to learn for me doesn't means it's not AI, it's just yeah, a program. It's just prediction. It's probably yeah. a mathematical. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just good yeah. math. It's just good math. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think in they don't think financial. So, so, so the question good. is why aren't our and we have data sets. I'm I'm mm. happy the banks have the like huge data sets. Why aren't most of our local applications using AI for like just to offer service. Most of the AI we end up interacting with is actually from international platforms. Yeah. So now the question for us, especially now us in healthcare, well, we now have the opportunity. We are happy that some of these models are now coming here. Uh, the question is now we need to actually develop 
that which is for the African context yeah. by us Africans, for us Africans, by um, for our own people. Yeah. yeah, and I think that also helps in terms of biases. I think we write biases into code. We write mm-hmm. ourselves, our signatures, our yeah. autographs into our own code. Yeah, I think it's better that Africans do their own AI for healthcare. Yeah, and also I'm just thinking. What's stopping us? Maybe there's a skill gap that needs to be attended to. Maybe there's an awareness. There's the data issue. I was actually very shocked when you mentioned medical records are destroyed after five years. Yeah, but well, yeah, storage used to yeah. be an issue for for lots of people. Oh, financial yeah. records seven, seven years. years. I'm like, I'm like, what matters? I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. Like the the cost. Of yeah. developing a product using mm. that data set will give you more returns than actually destroying it. Yeah. Yeah. You just mm. need consent. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't need to consent and say, guys, I we s- want to use this to develop a product mm. for you. I, I, I saw this recently on consent for AI. A lot of international companies now, mm. when they collect your personal information, they mention for use in perpetuity in this universe and all other possible Yo, realities or universes yo, yo, that's <laughs> so that actually allows them to use it in the metaverse at some point ah, what? and I mean, it's, we, we are closer to the there. metaverse than to an avengers spin-off of yeah. our reality yeah, yeah. i, I actually mm. have never thought about it in from that point of uh, metaverse uh, yeah. But sometimes you know, I look, I look at somewhere where where we were, where we are at as a country, yeah. and from, for example, from where I come from, uh, and I like talk about it. It's uh, Marakwet, and we are still struggling. With, I mean, we're still struggling with banditry. Sixty mm. years later, I mean, sixty years later, we have mothers and children dying from from, like almost sixty years ago, and my father was getting his first vaccination. He got it from a place called Tot. Tot was attacked back in the 1960s. I mean, like we still had like clashes from like back in the day. Now we are 60 years later, we are still in the same place. And when you go to some of these rural places and I've had the opportunity to visit Homa Bay, Lamu, uh, Samburu, and go to the very remote sites, the level of disruption opportunities that are there are immense yeah. are immense are immense people are having challenges the problem is healthcare is not accessible it's not affordable the guy who's there is, is will not even worry about giving you his data if yeah. they know that you're going to develop a product that will be better for their community they'll be okay i mean they'll mm-hmm. be they, because the challenges they are facing there is, is very primary, and yeah. that for them is 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 not is not is not really a huge issue. Mm. Yeah. So like, uh, as we close up, uh, any parting shot? Um, parting shot for me will be um, artificial intelligence is here to stay with us. Uh, we are single digits away from uh, uh, AGI. General intelligence will come, and that will disrupt. Will still disrupt healthcare, uh, and we are going to start seeing um, uh, a lot of narrow AI use cases over the next two or three years that will improve personalized care within the Kenyan context. That for sure will will happen. 
I don't see it not happening. Uh, and the what I would tell the people out there is accept AI for the sake of building uh, better uh, healthcare management for future generations. Uh, let's accept that this model, so long as uh, people have published their intentions and they've said, they, they tell you how the, their ethics part and all those things, let's try to make this data accessible and let's try to uh, so, uh, standardize the data so that we end up having better AI models for the sake of, for the sake of us Africans so that we develop uh, uh, solutions that are good for, for our context as Africa. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. I'm happy this was the first one. First guest. Yeah, I'll definitely be seeing uh, over the time to see how, how it will go. I'm happy to come back. And yeah, see I think we, you'll, yeah, I have come up with probably I'm thinking the healthcare topic is quite broad. It's quite broad. Yeah, we'll definitely do have to do a revisit and see how okay. how things are moving in that space. Okay, thank you. Thank you for having right. me. Thank you. Yeah. So stay tuned for uh, next week about biases in AI and around AI, specifically to the African continent. Thank you.